Welcome to the Period Story Podcast, the podcast where we get behind some of the myths and misconceptions about periods. We chat with women about their period story, their first period, their journey ever since, and we open up a conversation to help break taboos and stigmas around menstruation. I'm your host, Denise Brothers. I'm a yoga teacher and registered nutritionist specializing in women's health, hormones, and the menstrual cycle. I'm also the author of You Can Have a Better Period, the book Publishers Weekly calls an empowering debut, an informative, refreshing take on women's health. It's available from Amazon, Bookshop, and anywhere else you purchase books. We've got such a brilliant episode in store for you today. Bay Reed, the founder of 9 to 5 Menopause, has come on the show and she talks so brilliantly and honestly about menopause, her experience of menopause, the symptoms that she first noticed, and how she works with companies and organizations to develop better menopause policies to help individuals in those organizations have a better work experience while they're experiencing the menopause. I can't wait for you to hear the show. Thank you so much for coming onto the show today, Faye. I'm so excited to speak to you and hear about all of the amazing work that you're doing around the menopause. But let's take it all the way back to the start. And can you tell me the story of your very first period? When you asked me to come on the podcast and I know uh, and I knew you would ask me about my first period and I kind of traveled back in time, I was like, holy moly. So I was probably around aged 10 or 11. I think I was around 11 when I got my very first period. I just started secondary school in the UK. Um, So in the UK, you have like infants, then you have primary between five and age 10, 11. And then you go on to, I suppose you call it high school in the US, high school. So I just started my secondary school and I remember getting my period. And the thing that sticks out for me, and you have to remember that I was born in 67. So that would have been 77, 78 that I got my first period. And my mum wasn't kind of, how can I put this, kind of versed in what the latest fad was or the most popular thing. So for me, and I think, Jesus, how did I manage that as an 11-year-old? I had what is called as a period. (laughs) We're going back in time. Yeah. You know, it's so funny because I had a guest on the show about two weeks ago and she used a belt as well and she was talking about it. So I'm excited to hear your experience with it. Oh, Lord. So so basically, it is literally a belt and then the front of the um, belt and at the back of the belt, you have kind of what you call like a hook like a hook and eye thing. And the pad itself, you hooked it onto the front and you hooked it onto the back. And that was your sanitary towel. And it was thick. It was a bit like a nappy. And I just kind of accepted it and just kind of rolled with it. But I think over time, my mum must have seen how uncomfortable I was with that. And then we progressed to maxi pads and they were maxi. And there were pads, which was an improvement <laughs> on the belt. But still, for I think that must have been so traumatic for me because then I became really self-conscious, like especially going to school and could it show? Was I leaking? And yeah, there was a few times I had a few accidents and had to 
tie my sweater around my waist and stuff. It, I never really think about it, but hey, it was actually quite traumatic. It wasn't an easy like transition. I never had that build up of like, oh, I want my period, I want my period. I knew it was going to come, but I, it wasn't, it wasn't something me and my friends talked about. Someone might have said, oh, so-and-so's got a period. Oh, so-and-so's got a period because she's had a leak. Do you know what I mean? And you knew. But amongst my school friends, and I didn't have many friends in school, to be fair, we never really discussed the, like, have you got a period? We never had those. Well, I never had those conversations. So for it to suddenly appear and then be presented with a belt and a pad, I was like, what the hell? (laughs) What's happening? Is this what I've got to go through? (laughs) So I think moving on from that, I think probably... A couple of months in, I my mum presented me with a pack of like maxi pads, um, which I was very relieved to get because the whole pad situation, they would never flush down the toilet. Like it was hell. It was hell. It sounds like your mum was very aware of what was going on with you. She knew that maybe through conversations or maybe through just watching you, that the belt was not very comfortable for you. Were you having very open conversations with her about the changes in your body, about periods and what to expect? No, I was the oldest of four children. I'm the oldest of four children. My father died when we were, when I was very, very young. I think, yeah, before I started my period, my um, father had passed away. And my mum was so concentrated on bringing up four kids. We, in my adult life, my mum and I had a very open relationship and talked about stuff. At that age, I was so awkward and just slightly embarrassed. Just like, what is this thing releasing from my body? Like, it just, it was too awkward for me. So we never really had those conversations. And I think she just picked up that, like, obviously I was feeling a bit, like, awkward about it all and not wanting my siblings to see, especially my two brothers and just like, oh, it was just... But she knew, in, intuitively she knew, and hence she then presented me with a pack of maxi. Right. Um, but it was only myself as I moved through my teenage year and into early adulthood that I started to hear about things like tampons. And I was just like, oh, what are these tampon things? This is great. Can we do away with the pad completely? <laughs> can, we, can we just make it a little bit more sexy and discreet? <laughs> So I bought my own um, tampons um, as I as I grew into my later teenage years because I had a part time job. So I kind of just bought those for myself. But yeah, I it's funny. I used to just very much view it as being ugly and horrible and just like, God, everyone can see I'm on my period. I'm going to leak through. I can't wear a white skirt. Just everything like that. I hated it. And but it is funny as I went into my early 20s and I went on I'm just trying to think I went on the pill when I was about 18 because I was just like my mum had me when she was very very young it was unplanned and stuff and I was like I didn't want that for me so I chose to go on the pill but believe it or not when I got into my mid-20s I stopped taking the pill because I knew it was altering my body somehow I didn't have a regular boyfriend at the time and I was like, I just want my period to flow. I just want it, which is quite interesting considering 
before I just kind of wanted to make it discreet and compact and nobody should know about it. Mm. But I got into my mid twenties. I was like, well, I'm not sleeping with anybody. Why am I on the pill? It's altering my body. Like just let it flow. And I think it was in my mid twenties that I started to really kind of recognize my body and what it was doing and my hormones. So that was really, I don't know. So it's really, we're talking about it. It's yeah. stuff I've, thought about myself yeah. but never really examined it yeah so by talking to you now I'm just like oh okay and yeah from that point on I've been very aware of what my body does and can do and especially around my cycle once I stopped taking the pill I was very very in tune with my body in terms of getting spots I knew my period was coming um sleep Two, about two days before my period, two, three days before my period, sleep would be horrendous, tossing and turning, couldn't sleep. Um, uber emotional to the point my friends started to notice the pattern when I was like, when I had PMS and stuff. And there'd be something on the telly and they'd text me or call me and just go, are you watching so-and-so? And I went, yeah. And they went, you're crying, aren't you? And I was like, yeah, it's really sad. They went, <laughs> So all those things and like having my period, the first day or so incapacitated, beyond tired and exhausted. And then at the end of that period, just like, yeah, feeling really buzzy, really bright, wanting to clean the house, wanting to do so much stuff. And I'm like, oh, my God. And that was regular every single month. Just going back to your experience of your period before you went on on the pill, you said that you wanted to kind of hide it, keep it tucked away. Were your periods painful then? Were they were they tiring? What was, I know you said no. you went on the pill for hormonal contraception. Yes, I went on the pill for hormonal contraception just for the fact of I don't want to get pregnant. Mm. Um, but in terms of my period, I think I just wasn't comfortable with them. And I think, and I would base it on the fact of going back that initiation of a period belt and this thing so you can imagine it's a belt so it's not secure the only thing that's keeping it secure is your pants yeah (laughs) it's not secure yeah and it was ugly and unattractive and just like I've got to do this every month are you mad like (laughs) (laughs) you can imagine if that's your initiation it ain't fun yeah and I so for me I just kind of wanted it kind of Nobody could see it. I, I look back now, nobody could see it. But for me, it was just like, can we just hide this thing away? I don't want it to be um, prominent in my life in any way because I, I'd have my period, then I'd have to go to school. And then it was the whole faff. And then oh, I've got to go to the toilet and then roll something up and put it in your sleeve. Or you, do you know what I mean? To hide that fact you were going into the toilet to change your tampon or t- your towel. Yeah. So I just, yeah, it was quite traumatic. So for me, I kind of just wanted to suppress suppress it was happening in any which way. Yeah. And then I really find the words that you use quite interesting. So you stopped the pill because you wanted to let your period flow, like literally (laughs) let it flow. (laughs) And then you were able to tune it. It sounds like you were able to tune in quite well with your body. You were aware of what you were experiencing right before you had your period what you're experiencing during your period and then how 
until up, let's like kind of fast forward into your 30s, maybe your 40s. What was your your experience of your period the same as you've described through your 30s and like maybe your early 40s? Yes, I would say it was. When I hit my 30s um, is when I started to track my monthly cycle. And that was because I wanted to have children. So I was very aware of just keeping a track. And also before I kind of made the decision, like, yes, I really want children. It was just to see what was happening to me throughout the month. Because you have a little chart. Do you crave sweet things? Yes. Were you getting spots? Yes. Were you getting angry? Yes. So all the typical symptoms, I just kind of wanted to track. And each month it was the same. I would say as I got older, my cramps became more prominent. When I was younger, not so much. I didn't really notice it. But as I got older, my cramps became more prominent. Definitely sometimes. And it's funny, I remember now, because I was trying to conceive, I actually, each month, felt my ovulation. I was like, there goes an egg. I could feel it going. And it's a weird feeling. If you're in tune with it, you kind of know. But each month I could just feel it going. And like I said, I always really wanted to have children. And because um, I'd split up with a long-term partner, that wasn't going to happen. I made the decision to go it alone. And so I had to be really aware of my body in terms of the fertility treatment that I was going to receive. So that was quite interesting for me as well, just to kind of track, track things. I didn't end up having children. It just wasn't to be in my kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It wasn't in my future to have children. I'm surrounded by God knows how many godchildren, so I'm really poor. But (laughs) (laughs) I didn't end up having my own. But it did make me so much more aware of my body and what it was doing. And it's funny because I do have my menopause project, which I am quite passionate about. And one of the things that is a very commonly said it's like when your periods stop you know you're starting to perimenopause and all the rest of it I had my period regular as clockwork everything the same for the first five years of my perimenopause so it when people say oh it's your period stop I'm like "Mm, not necessarily all the time because I had mine for the first five years yeah can we talk a little bit about that because there is this kind of narrative at the moment in the UK very powerful narrative um, around menopause that it's going to be um, a, a whole a time of, of, of upset and tumult and emotional upheaval. And there's this narrative that menopause will be bad. And I really want to talk about your experience and the work that you do, because, you know, we know that no, there's no one, not everyone's period and experience of their menstrual cycle is the same. And it's the same with perimenopause and menopause, where you could be having regular periods all the way up to the day of, of the menopause. So let's talk a little bit more about your experience. So one of the things I try and I try and um One of the things I often say, can we take negativity out of it? Because we talk about women having babies and it's a big like, oh, you're pregnant. Giving birth is hell. Let's keep it real. It's not a walk in the park. Yeah, some people might shoot it out in two seconds. Some people are there for 24 hours. It ain't fun. But yeah, it's a big celebration. (laughs) It's like, be 
because they've got the advice, they've got the care, they know what's going to happen. It's the same with the menopause. It's going to happen. You could sell through it, blink, and, you, and, you're, and you're good. Or you're going to have a really rough time. And I, I make no bones about it. My menopause at one point was horrific. It's horrific. I was 45. I literally just started a brand new job. Literally the first week, sat at my desk. I have a hot flush. I have no idea what just happened to my... It had to happen a few more times before I was like, oh my God, I've just had a hot flush. A good few days went by because I didn't know what was happening. I was thinking, what is that? I just kept going, what is that? And not questioning it, not going to my QP, not looking it up, just ignoring it. And then it happened again. And I was like, I've just had a hot flush. Internally, I laughed so hard. I was like, what the hell? I'm 45. (laughs) Going for the menopause? What? And so because at that point, I was just like, I was like how I am now. I'm like, I still like going out. I still like having a glass of wine. I still like buying clothes. I still like to enjoy myself. And my perception was very stereotypical one of being old and over the hill. And coupled with that, like I hadn't seen any black people being represented going through the menopause. My imagery was little old white ladies with gray hair wearing beige clothing. That was my imagery in my head. The other imagery was like, well, you're past it now. You've just started the menopause. You're right. That's it. So for a job I started and I just had my hot flush, I was in that job five years and I did not tell anybody in senior management, HR people team, what I was going through. Can you just talk a little bit more about the actual experience of the hot flush, like what it what it felt like? Just so listeners who may be experiencing the same thing can kind of start to develop a vocabulary for themselves mine was a whoosh of heat that started from my chest and went up to my head and it literally was just like whoosh it was just like somebody had squeezed a hot pump of air inside of me and I was like oh my god now for me I my initial initiation into the menopause world was hot flushes And I was fine with it. I kind of just coped with it. I'm very much holistic, natural remedy kind of girl. I will go to um, Aveda medicine, vitamins, all that kind of stuff. So I just took myself off to a specialist health shop. And interestingly enough, I spoke to a young sales assistant and she said to me, um, I said to her, I'm going through the menopause, I think. What vitamins do you recommend? She was like, oh, sorry. (laughs) 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 poor girl super helpful but she went to her reference book looked it up and said magnesium are good for menopausal women and I went I'll take it thanks (laughs) but for me what I had to adapt to having the hot flushes I had a very long commute from where I lived to my job um which meant because I live quite centrally in London so for me getting on the underground it was very much the train was already packed I'd get on I could feel a hot flush come in. I couldn't control it. I could feel myself starting to like, oh God, oh God, oh God. And then I'd be dripping with sweat, henched in like this amongst people when I couldn't even get a tissue to mop my brow or anything. And I was like, this is hell. This is hell. So I changed my commute to work, which meant it was longer, but bearable. I just I just took a bus part way to the main train station and got on a train 
because I worked outside of London. So as everybody was piling in, the commuter belt were piling in, I was going out and I got a seat and it was like, this is this is how I'm going to have to do this. And the other thing I realised by having the hot flushes, I because I did a little bit of research, I couldn't wear anything synthetic. Synthetic fibres will exasperate your hot sweats. So my wardrobe now is 99.9% all just natural fibres, cotton, linen or silk. So I can't wear anything which is polyester or synthetic because one, it makes me sweat and two, my skin just starts to itch. So that was one of the main things from having the hot flushes that I had to adapt to. Better for Um, the environment as well. Well, I think win-win, at least I'm being sustainable. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing my bit. Yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of fine for the first year. But one of the things um, which is well known, which they call it a trigger for your menopause symptoms and stuff, is stress. Mm. Stress can, tr- like with anything, though, stress can trigger your symptoms and make them worse. And for me, it was the fact that I was in a job supporting a CEO, which is quite high powered. The company were preparing to go for a sale. I was privy to a lot of information the other staff didn't have. I'm a personal assistant by trade. So I do a lot of executive assistant meetings, travel, all that kind of stuff for senior figures. So the business had started to prepare for a sale, which was highly confident at the time. And my mum was diagnosed with terminal cancer, sent me off a cliff. I just, I lost it. I just wasn't kind of, when I, was, I, I think back now, and I, I see I was just a functioning mess. Mm. I wasn't sleeping. I had night and day sweats. I developed severe anxiety. I had achy joints. It was just a plethora of symptoms across the menopause. And it got to the point where I, I was very close to my mum. She had me when she was 17. Um, by the time I reached my adulthood and into my 40s, we spoke every day. We had a very, very open relationship and stuff. And I started to see a counsellor because I wasn't coping with the realisation I was I was that broken. And it was actually my counsellor that directed me and said, and one of the things I'm super, I will always, always be grateful for because I hear so many women that go to their medical um, practitioners or GPs or doctors and they're poo-pooed when they go, I think I'm going through them. They don't get the help. I went to my GP, cried for a couple of minutes before I could even speak. When I eventually told her, she went, yeah, sounds like the perimenopause. Let's get you some blood tests. But in the meantime, let's get you some help. Here's some HR. And I, I jokingly say this, but if the woman had prescribed me crack, I would have taken it. because I'd be like, <laughs> I'll have it. Because I was a mess and I was broken. Um, and it was from there, kind of my journey into the menopause world really started so first off she prescribed me some tablets checked in on me how you doing mm, I don't know it doesn't feel much better let's up the dose then up the dose still really no difference let's try some other ones what there's other HRT there's more than one and I was like oh my gosh so I never realized my my um knowledge around the menopause was very vague so eventually she got me onto some tablets were kind of like okay they're fine not majorly feeling back to myself but like it's okay it's fine still having hot sweats night sweats still had a bit of anxiety and stuff and achy bones but I kind of just accepted it because I didn't know any difference I started to do some research and I was just like what is going on here 
one, the only people I could find talking about it were white women. Two, they're all affluent. None of them had a job. They recommended this private chef, this private nutritionist, doing this specific yoga class, which was like 11.30 in the morning. And I'm like, bitches, i got to go to work. And it was the realisation just like, where are the women that have jobs and have to navigate the menopause? I think I cannot be the only one. I cannot be the only one with a job. I cannot be the only black person going through this menopause. And that was a big light bulb moment for me. Um, and I was just like, this isn't on. This is just not on. And I initially started nine to five menopause. And I knew I wanted to do something around the menopause. I just didn't know what my focus would be. And I think I opted to the nine to five based on Dolly Parton's working nine to five song. That's where I got the inspiration. Came on the radio, I was like, that's what I'm going to call it. <laughs> menopause, the working lady. Um, and I just kind of wanted to showcase what I did and what I what what helped me to navigate this journey. Because one, I was like, I am not old. I wasn't even 50. And I like adopting the stereotypical imagery and narrative that's out there is not who I am. That is not who I am. I like clothing. I like fashion. It's fashion for me. But I kind of just, one of the things I do is like um, a clothing edit on my Instagram just to show you can still look good, girls, just because you've reached a certain age. Don't, don't give up on taking care of yourself and making yourself feel good in your own way. Now, going back to the HRT um, issue, I was lucky my doctor gave me HRT, which was the start of getting me. At some point, the tablets I was on got discontinued and I went back to her. She went through a few things. She goes, let's try on the patches. And that was a revelation because I was like, started taking the patches and I was like, holy moly, I feel better. <laughs> it was it was such a revelation. And it, I was just like, oh, my God, to know that there's not just one tablet, to know that there's patches out there. It was HRT has given me my life back. Like right now, again, after a couple of years, the patches got discontinued. How to mess with women's health, I tell you. Um, by that stage, I'd done my research. So I and I was thinking about this before talking to you. So like now I actually have the Morena coil and have estrogel alongside it. Because what the Morena coil what the Morena coil gives off is helps to replace what you're losing in your body and use the estrogel alongside. I think it's progesterone. If it's I've a, got that right. It's a synthetic form of progesterone. I just want to be really clear with people who are listening. Yeah. Uh, since the, the progesterone in the Morena coil is a synthetic form of progesterone. But it doesn't, it's not the exact same as the progesterone that you produce when you ovulate. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because that is very true. Mm. That is very true. And the having the Morena coil and using the estrogel is the best I felt in probably about 10 years. My family notice it. My friends notice it. And it's, it's that thing. And the one thing I will stress, and I will always, always stress this, I am very much holistic, homeopathic kind of person. I, my mum's from the Caribbean. There's loads of things she used to do for us as kids in terms of um, treating a cold and stuff. So I've always had that. However, I want women to make choices which are right for them. And I want to make sure women are not judged for their choices. Mm -hmm. Because in both camps, I've heard women being judged for taking HRT. And also I've heard women 
being attacked for not wanting to take HRT. It's a choice and it's an individual choice and no one should be judged for it. HRT was the right thing for me at that time because I was I was on the floor. I can't describe enough or put into words enough how much of a broken woman I was. I wish there'd have been more guidance and knowledge out there because when I started to research, there was nothing. And I so I was going through everything cold turkey, like, what do I do with this? What do I do with that? And having to find out for myself what what I could do to help myself. What you said there is so interesting about this kind of there's the pro HRT camp and then there's the no HRT camp. And you know, people make choices for varying reasons. But what I see at the moment in the UK is this very, very pro HRT narrative and this kind of expectation that if you're going through perimenopause, if you're going through menopause, that you should definitely just get yourself on HRT. And there's, I think there's a lot of nuance missing from the conversation where, you know, you need to find the HRT that's right for you. You can't just go on any HRT willy nilly, you know, there might be medical reasons for you not to go on to HRT. You just might not want to, you know, you might, that's also a choice, but what my, I'm very concerned about this narrative that the push yeah it's a push and this kind of there's a doctor dr louise newson and she's <laughs> talking about h uh, menopause as an estrogen deficiency which is completely completely wrong like medipo- medicalizing the menopause which is we have to be clear about this is that it is a natural phase of life there are negative symptoms that people can experience because of like I think it's because of modern life you know yeah it's like stress is a huge one um but it's not an estrogen deficiency it really isn't and that kind of really negates the fact that this is we we go through this new into this new phase of life you know and to medicalize it really takes a lot of the power out of you know navigate navigating this time where you almost step into a new sort of power so i'll be honest i'm 43 i'm wow you look so much younger (laughs) thank you um, I'm in perimenopause denial. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Keep it up, baby. Keep it up. It's fine. <laughs> but what I I can start to see, and what I can see in my friends who are a bit older, is that despite the symptoms that they experience, they step into this new power, and yeah. I find it so fascinating. And just to say that menopause is an estrogen dis- deficiency really does women and people with men going through menopause like a real disservice I think it's a hard one because Louise is Dr Louise Newson is coming from it from a medical um viewpoint standpoint I myself I suppose what I want women to see is one the knowledge two I'm just a normal woman who is navigating the dating world while tr- while trying on dresses and going on a first date and getting all hot and sweaty and still having sex and having a nine to five job. And that's what I want them to see. And if they can take something away from that, great. And yeah, you're right. There is a quite a big push around HRT. And I think it's because women 
a lot of people want women to see that they can get that help with HRT. But I think coming from the Black community standpoint, HRT is still the bogeyman a little bit. Mm. So my sister's going through it and she ain't touching HRT. She's like, no, you're right. I know you're a big menopause ambassador, Faye, and you're looking good, sis. But no, I'm not taking it. (laughs) But that's her choice. And it's quite funny also that with all my close girlfriends, because I talk about menopause a lot these days now, I never push it on them. I let them come to me and ask a question. Like, I'll never go, oh, well, you should start taking HRT. And I'm like, it's your choice. You do what you want to do. And it's funny, I've been working with a company that, do um, menopause treatments through Ayurvedic, through yoga, through diet, through meditation and stuff like that. And I uh, and I love it. And I wish I'd have been exposed to that when I first started or knew about it. It's that thing now, the generation coming up behind us will know about stuff. They would have heard stuff. And I very much want to present menopause in a more realistic, normal way. It's going to happen. It mm. could be a bit shit. You might get some sleepless nights. You might get hot and sweaty. It's going to happen. Mm. But it's not the end of the world. Like, and I it, I make myself smile and also slightly awkward because it's just not really me to say that. But I'm like, I feel like I'm living my best life right now. I feel like I'm living my best life. From things like during COVID, it's, it's funny because I live on my own. I, I'm single at the moment. And during COVID, it was one of those things where, like, all of a sudden, I had very, very long periods where I was just constantly horny. Just like, what the fuck is this? Why? Where's this come from? And then I was like, I lost my sex drive. It's come back. (laughs) I hadn't realised I'd lost it. (laughs) I live on my own. I just hadn't, hadn't fucked my mind. And now all of a sudden I was like... Ah, because you lose your sex drive during the menopause sometimes. Mm. So I was just like, ah. So it's those little things I'm learning about myself. And now I'm kind of just rolling with it rather than being angst ridden or trying to hide it like and not say anything about the menopause. I own it. Mm. it. It's me. And I've now put my face out there. So it's too late now to peddle it back. Yeah. Can you go back to what you were saying about HRD? being a kind of a bogeyman in the black community can you talk a little bit more about why you think that is I I have my thoughts but I'm really curious to hear what you think about this and where do you think where you think it's come from I think there are certain things which are entrenched in communities and that could be the Asian community as well that could be the Indian community I think from as far back it's always been seen like that. And I think that's one of the reasons my sister won't take it. And I'll tell you a little incident I had. It was a summer's day, really warm. Um, I sat at a bus stop and there's a lady next to me, a black lady, and she was fanning herself like a maniac. And I just looked at her and I just instinctively knew. And I went, I smiled, I went, menopause? She went, oh my God, I'm so hot. I can't control it. <laughs> so we got talking and at one point I said to her, I goes, have you thought about going to your GP and maybe getting HRT? She made me feel so small. She was horrified. She went, I'm not taking that. And I was like, oh, okay. I felt so awful that I'd suggested it to her. I just shrunk in myself. Um, and I think it's just because they just deem it as bad. There was many years ago 
There was all the stories in the press that gives you breast cancer and all the rest of that. That's now changed. More medical research has been done on it. The information that was that the media put out was very wrong. And I think they've adopted that and they just don't move from that. Mm. And also, when I started, they say that your menopause could mirror your mum's menopause is one of the things they say. So straight away, I was like, mummy, what was your menopause like? I don't know. <laughs> she didn't keep it to memory. It was like, it's happening, it's gone. <laughs> that, it was that kind of thing. And I just said, when did you start? She went, I don't know. But And I remember, because I remember distinctively, my mum was very happy-go-lucky, just a beautiful, lovely lady. But there was a period where she was miserable and grumpy and really whingy. Because I remember saying to my sister at the time, Jesus, mummy's miserable. And I was like, and I look back, I think it, it was around the age I started. It was around the age I started. And I think you were going through the menopause because she'd sometimes say to me, I haven't had my period for three months. And that was it. Or then she'd go, oh God, my period suddenly started. So that was her erratic journey in the menopause. But she never, ever said the word menopause. Never. Wow. So that I, so I had to navigate that myself. And I mm. say, especially to black women, talk to your daughters. Don't hide it away because mm. I think our predecessors, our mums and our grandmothers, they just got on with it. Mm. They never spoke about it. It wasn't something to be spoken about. Yeah. They yeah. just got on with it. Yeah. And now we're the generation that like, hey, I'm showing my feelings. I'm talking to a counsellor. I'm talking about it. They didn't do all that stuff. They just didn't. It was put up, shut up, deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you're making me think of my, my, so my maternal grandmother we knew she was she was going through the menopause because so my mom's half of the family is from Bahamas and so hot all year round and so she would just be like sweating like yeah. mopping her brow constantly and oh she's having a hot flush and it was just like oh okay like this like, but you didn't really talk about it but everyone knew that she well, was, it was. Going, yeah yeah and then I think about my mom's experience and you know, we we talked about it because of the work that I do. Um, but she, like, I think about, like, the hot flashes that she experienced and, like, the night sweats and, like, not being able to sleep. But until I started doing this work, she just accepted it as a normal thing because, you know, that's what she saw in her, in her yeah. mother. So uh, I guess this is this is normal and you just have to put up with it until it just goes away so it's so interesting um hearing your experience being quite you know of just not being not really being spoken about we don't talk about it and I think this is where the conversation is pivoting where as I said we are that generation that are talking about it we're not I'm not ashamed of it Mm -hmm. when I first had my hot flush I was very much like oh god I'm not old I'm like I'm not saying anything but now I'm not ashamed about it because it's something that's happening. It's something that's going to happen to women time and time and time and time again. And we need to normalise it. We normalise women having periods. We normalise women having babies. Can we just normalise the fact that a woman is going to go through the menopause and just to be aware? And my thing is be aware and do what is right for you. Don't let anyone judge you for any choices that you make, just do what is right for you and just ask questions, get your information and stuff. 
I was very shy until a few couple of years into my menopause and I wish I'd have asked more questions or done more research. Um, I'm an HLT now and that's fine. It worked for me. I do not regret it. I'm glad I'm on it mm. because it gave me my life back because at the time I was in a very, very low, dark place. Mm. And I think the one thing I will say, and it goes back to our conversation, how the HRT is being pushed. Please, women or ladies, don't suffer. Don't be a martyr. If you feel that bad, get the help. Mm. Please don't be a martyr. And But also, if you decide not to take it, that's fine. But don't be a martyr. We're living for longer. There's a life out there to be enjoyed. Don't let preconceived notions hold you in a state where you're just not living or you're just not happy. It's mm. not worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And also to add to that, there's if HRT isn't the path that you want to go down, if you're listening and you're thinking, I don't want to go on HRT, there is a lot that you can do in terms of the way you eat, how you move your body, lots of very powerful supplements that you can take. You mentioned magnesium earlier. Magnesium yeah. is incredible for helping to reduce hot flashes, night sweats, helping to kind of improve a night's sleep. So yeah. just know that, you know, there are so many options out there now. I want to talk about the work that you do, because I find that you have this organization now, nine to five menopause, and you work with individuals, you work with companies, and you work with organizations. And in terms of the work that you do with organizations and companies where you're bringing awareness within the workforce of menopause and you're helping to formulate menopause policies, can you talk more about that? Because that feels very new and very interesting. Yeah. So it's been quite a busy year for me this year. And one of the things I want to do is bring a awareness of the menopause into the workplace. And that's based on my own experiences of not feeling comfortable to speak up and say anything. So one of the things I do is I go into companies and I either give an awareness around my own journey or between me and HR, we have a discussion and it's presented more of a panel discussion. And I say to them, think about what you guys want to know about the menopause and they and have two or three staff members asking me the questions and I can answer. And one of the things I insist upon, if we're at all possible, is they have a male staff member present asking me the question. Because I also very much advocate men to be aware of what's going on for various reasons. One being a male member of staff could be line managing women who are going through this. Mm. And to quickly say also, when you said about medical reasons why people don't want to take HRT, you have to remember that women going through cancer, women who have had hysterectomy, they might have a form of menopause and they could be in their 20s or 30s. Mm. So it's it's good if a male staff member is aware of what a woman could be going through and what things they could be doing to make their life easier. Also, you could have a male member of staff whose wife or partner at home is having a horrific time with the menopause. That will have a knock-on effect on him and in turn could affect his performance at work. You could have a young man at home in his 20s 
his parent is going through the menopause. That could also have a psychological knock-on effect on him as well. When I looking at their menopause policies and talking to them, I said, just be mindful. It could be really simple things of giving a staff member a fan on their desk, helping them. Is it easier if they sit near a window because it's going to be cooler? Is it easier if they can amend their start and leave times to work because then they're not traveling through the rush hour? It's not so stressful. Could they, if they wake up and they've had a horrendous night, are you going to make it easier for them to say, okay, stay at home, you can work from home. They could be sat at home in their pyjamas. At lunchtime, they could go and sleep for 45 minutes to recharge them. So there's loads of little things that companies can be looking out for to support their staff and to remember as well, it's not just your average lady in the 50-year-old, 60-year-old age bracket. You've got youngsters going through medical treatment. You've got trans people who are transitioning. They will have some form of menopause symptoms, hysterectomy, cancer. There's a plethora of people that this could be affected. What's really interesting is the idea of um, a menopause policy. You've made it sound very positive and very empowering, whereas other times other people I've heard talk about menopause policies is very negative. It's like, oh, look out for these symptoms like, oh, they might be having hot flushes or they might have brain fog. But what you're talking about is okay, let's help our employees. So let's create an open dialogue so they feel comfortable saying, can I sit there or can I have a fan or can my work hours be adjusted? And I find that so, so interesting. I think because, don't get me wrong, there's there's still people commenting and going, oh, not the bloody mess again. I was rolling their eyes just like, oh, yeah, Brenda's having a hot flush. I used the name Brenda. I don't know. But that's the name I've adopted to describe that person. So there's still a lot of negativity. And it's quite interesting for me, October being um, Black History Month and World Menopause Month. I was busy. Mm. It's a little bit quiet now. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, well, the blackness doesn't go away and neither does the menopause. So continue this conversation. Um, But I think one thing I've definitely picked up, and I think the whole cost of living thing is not helping either. So many companies are cutting back and not putting their money towards the training as such. So they'll do more next year. But also, until it's made a characteristic in law, companies don't have to do anything. So if they can just write, look out for these symptoms, and here's a link to the menopause charity, here's our menopause policy, there you go, they're going to. Some companies are better than others. Some companies are putting their money where their mouth is, and then others are just doing lip service. Mm. So until it becomes law, you won't see the push that is needed. And some people are still quite negative about it. Yeah. Just like, God, it's like the whole George Floyd thing. And everyone jumped on the big diversity bandwagon. Oh, we need more black people on seats. Like, you should have had them before, but hey, it's okay. And people go, I'm not another black person. Are we employing only black people now? Trust me, I've heard that. I've heard it. I've heard really? it. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's because people are not used to it. It's like, and just digressing slightly, it's like the whole last year, the Christmas adverts, and they introduced black people having Christmas dinner and all the rest of it, and the backlash. And I'm like, you realize we've always had 
black people eating Christmas dinner. <laughs> what do you think we've been doing? Living under a rock? <laughs> but this is what's happening. People have not used to being confronted with that narrative mm. around the menopause. And because also, as we said, it was always whispered, like people feel uncomfortable. And to be fair, you have to respect if some people feel uncomfortable because not everybody's comfortable with embracing things and stuff. So you have to respect that. But at the same time, it's like, seriously, come on, let's just get the program. Yeah. You kind of have to, you have to meet people where they're at. Um, and know, as you say, know that everyone isn't going to be fully stepping into this yet and the conversations around this yet. But if someone's listening and they're going through this and they know that they have to have a conversation with their employer about what they're experiencing because they feel like they are slowing down at work and they want, they don't like that, um, but they're nervous. How, because I know that you also mentor individuals as part of the work that you do. What would be your advice to them? It's really hard because unfortunately I've spoken to too many individuals that have just handed in their notes and left their jobs because they didn't feel supported and they felt scared and they felt bullied. I think depending on your company, one, can you talk to your manager? If you can, brilliant, because then you can sort out something between you. Who, is there somebody in HR or the people team you feel you can go to and that will listen to you? And three, don't be scared. Depend on where, who you work for and how they operate and how they view the menopause, whether they have a policy or not a policy. Don't be scared to ask for that help because two things. One, the amount of industrial tribunal cases citing menopause has increased. Two, I've heard, and let me see how I can say this because I don't want to disclose any information. I've heard of people being women being reprimanded in work and it's only when it's got to a quite a serious level that they disclosed they were going through the menopause and they were like oh because she was trying to hide it do her job and certain things were happening which caused her to get in trouble mm. but when she when it when she disclosed she was going through the menopause it's like oh so as hard it is, hopefully you've got a company or a line manager where you can go and speak to them and just let them know. But don't be put off because I think companies should be aware you can't treat women differently because it comes under the Health and Safety Act. You yeah. can't treat women differently because they're going through the menopause. And if you need that help, you need to work from home an extra day or you need to come in later and leave earlier, whatever. Just have a little think also if you are really struggling have a think of a scenario you could present to them just say I'm getting really hot I can't cope the office is too hot for me can I sit near the window can I have a fan or can I sit on a different floor or do you know what I mean try and think of a scenario that could help yourself and present it to them because you're going to them with something and they're like what do we do here they ain't got a clue so if you could come up with an idea and also because this covers so much. I could talk to you for so long. you got to think, and I think it's Tesco's that have introduced the thing where they've allowed the um, the people on the floor, the cashiers, to change their uniform, so to have a different style uniform. Because all those uniforms are synthetic. 
Mm. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So they've introduced a policy where you can wear something which is more breathable. So those kind of things have a little think of depending on your work and what it is where you what you do. If you can come up with a scenario or an option to present to your company, happy days. So what you're saying is to be really practical in once you don't be scared, be really practical in when in what you suggest when you speak to your line manager. So it's or whoever you speak to, it's not just I'm going through the menopause. It's I'm going through the menopause. It's affecting me in this way. And this is the way that you can support me. Yeah. Fantastic. Because I think if you go in blind, they haven't got a clue. Yeah. Yeah. So if someone's listening to this and they're thinking, I I need her help, how can people get in touch with you? How can they work with you? How can companies work with you? So how companies work with me, I've done a lot of work for the NHS. Funny enough, I've done a lot of awareness talks with them. I'm a registered trainer on a, for a training provider. So I go to companies and run workshops. Individuals can contact, contact me on my Instagram, nine as in numeral nine, T-O-5, menopause, or on my website, which is just fayreed.com, or they can just send me an email, fay at fayreed.com. And I, I love talking to women, stepping forward. Like the other week, a lady contacted me and just said, my hair's falling out. It's been really brittle and stuff. And it was a black lady. And I went, right, I had the same problem. Start taking your collagen. Start using high intensity moisturizer on your hair and stuff like that. And just gave you some tips. So honestly, if they've got a question, just drop me a line and I'm happy to it. Not a problem. And all the links will be in the show notes. So you can check those out there. What's the one thing, what's the one thought that you want to leave listeners with today? Don't be scared. because the young young women that I hear coming up and going back to our earlier conversation again um, is the negativity around and the moaning, just like, oh, it's so bad. And younger women are now stepping forward and going to me, God, is it that bad, Faye? And I'm like, no, it's not. Don't be scared. Because now we have knowledge and we have people like myself and Karen Arthur who are standing up and going, hey, this is the menopause and stuff. And you can still live a happy, fulfilled life. And it's for a period of time. And if you can get your symptoms under control, you'll be fine. Fine. Don't be scared. Fantastic. I mean, thank you so much for coming on the show and for being such an inspiration and for the work that you do. So thank you again. Thank you for having me. I feel such a pleasure that you asked me to be on your podcast. So thank you very much. For more inspiring conversations, head over to periodstorypod.com where we have so many more for you to peruse. If you want help with your menstrual or hormone health, email me on hello at eatlovemove.com to set up a free 30-minute hormone health review. If you like today's show, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Tag us, come say hi, and send in your requests for who you'd like to see on the show on Instagram and Twitter on at periodstorypod or email us at hello at periodstorypod.com. I'm Lenise Brothers, and you've been listening to Period Story. Thank you so much for listening.